This is part two of two on our discussion about changing minds and the strategies we use to do that. So do you, uh, you know, in whatever strategies, you know, we've sort of described or kind of talked around, um, any success stories, um, again, using yourself or someone else as an example, um, that where you've kind of altered the, you know, the vector of someone's opinion on something and, and come to some kind of agreement? So I'll say this. I've seen someone try at one of my get-togethers, mm-hmm. group of men and women talking about issues, and a friend of mine, so that if I can just try to encapsulate it very quickly, there was an argument in the room about um, the role of Africans in the slave trade. That's mm-hmm. the simple part. Okay. It's a little bit more in-depth. Mm-hmm. So one guy, an African-American, was talking to an African about this and the african-american was very reductive and and actually not not really it made it sound like the man in front of him was the man who brought his ancestors here and he directly wanted to confront him (laughs) right right and i found it i was frustrated with it and i still had to run a party but there was another friend of mine um guy number three guy number three goes you're not hearing what he's saying and he said it in this tone and then he goes you're not kind you're not listening to what the African man was saying. Mm. And I found it so soothing and such a nice way of puncturing that bubble, that anger bubble that this guy was feeling because it was like, well, I don't know if your anger is misplaced, but it's not here. Mm. It's not with this Mm -hmm. particular guy. And also you Mm -hmm. haven't done enough work to know what you're talking about. Mm. You haven't, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so hearing um, guy number three go, you're not kind, slow down a bit. Mm-hmm. And he didn't yell. He was saying it almost precisely what I'm saying in terms of his tone and mm-hmm. delivery. And mm-hmm. I found it so um, nutritious for me mm-hmm. that if when I get in those kinds of arguments, I don't want to be the one someone telling me <laughs> that mm-hmm. way because then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm somewhere over here and then I got to refocus and reset. Mm-hmm. Or I do want someone to tell me that so I can do that. So I like mm-hmm. hearing people approach an argument without the anger, without the frustration, and saying, you're not listening to each other. You guys are doing this. Mm-hmm. A third person. Mm-hmm. And so I Did like it work? that. It worked, but it worked very slowly. And it was months, maybe in a year now, later. But it wasn't that it worked fully. It worked. This is how it was first represented, mm-hmm. was guy number two, the African-American guy, kept hearing, why won't you listen to me? Why, why, do you, why are you telling me? It was, he got defensive. Mm-hmm. Later on, when we were talking, I said, well, he just wanted you to listen to mm-hmm. what the guy was saying. And what you were talking about may have some validity, but it wasn't appropriate here. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like you were using that guy to take out some anger on sim- enslavement, mm-hmm. which is a valid <laughs> feeling, you know, sure. valid. <laughs> so, but it's the thing about nuance, right? And if you're not willing to hear it. So he was trying to hear it. But I'm not sure if it actually happened. But at the very mm-hmm. least, I think it was circ- it, it had some currency in his head because he was bothered by it. Mm-hmm. And so if he could just move out of ego and move out of the space where he was and maybe see it. So I kind of saw it happening, but it was in slow motion. But again, it was so useful to me as a witness to hear someone come in mm-hmm. and go, you're not being kind. Because mm-hmm. that, my friend, is such a crucial thing. It's what we both talked about a moment ago about approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Approach. You can be yeah. passionate. I'll see people on the street and they are like, um, 
arguing or talking loud and sometimes I have to go near to them because sometimes they that's just the way they talk mm-hmm. and there is that kindness but mm-hmm. most of the time there's not <laughs> there's you're wrong and I'm right no you're wrong and I'm right you know so mm-hmm. so I want to I want to on the heels of that I want to relate an mm-hmm. anecdote that was given to me by um well I don't know if we're still friends because um, we hardly ever speak, but um, Fareed Matuk, who is the person who introduced um, mm-hmm. Travis and I um, years and years and years ago, um, poet who's now at, um, I think, Arizona State University, he once related the story to me about going to a reading held by Philip Levine, the narrative poet. Jewish mm-hmm. guy from the, I want to say the 50s or 60s. One, actually, one of my favorite poets. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell the story exactly right because it was years ago that Fareed told me this. And yeah, my brain is porous. But it went something like this. They were having a conversation after the reading. And this was pre the illegal invasion of Iraq in um, 2003. I don't know and, that there are legal invasions, by the way, but I don't know. no, right? It was a, right. I, I, I like so to say legal you. war. There are legal wars. Violence. There are legal no, wars, but all violence is senseless in a legal war. I object to your invasion. You know, fair, fair, fair enough. Um, some guy in the audience said something to to uh, brought up the issue of the. Um, of the war and say, saying, mm-hmm. saying, this is pre, like, like, right, a few months before. And he said, you know, we have to go in there. We have to fight for their freedom. We have to protect, blah, blah, blah. And Philip Levine, uh, I don't know if he stood up. He was probably standing already, um, said, no, you're wrong. That position is stupid. And here's why. And I may, I may be, I may be not getting this quite right, mm-hmm. but he did say something harsh, something in that. Mm-hmm key mm-hmm. that rhetorical key and 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 um and they went on and they argued back and forth and then later philip levine came back to that point and he said actually to that man who had said that to earlier i want to say i'm sorry i was wrong um i spoke in anger and my anger prevented me from clarity and what i want to say is what we've done so far in this conversation is we've talked mostly about the sort of one-to-one interaction. Like I'm dealing with this mm-hmm. person, this person is dealing mm-hmm. with me. And the sort of ways that we make space for the other person or don't ask questions, right. have, create a, 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 a space of empathy where we can come together, see each other's worldview. But what we haven't talked about is the idea of a kind of community thing, like Stephen's party, mm-hmm. where it's not just about mm-hmm. the one-to-one, it's about the other people witnessing and hearing. Their minds may be changed too. And so when I okay. heard that story about Philip Levine, I thought, wow, that's really powerful. I need to, I need to, I need to keep that with me. The idea that I can be angry and that anger will actually prevent me from clarity. And then if clarity is what you want, then you change. You have mm-hmm. to change it on a dime. You have to mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. pivot, mm-hmm. you know, pivot in the most generous way because mm-hmm. you are thinking larger. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking I want to win, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a much, it's a much trickier thing to, to do in the group setting 
It, not much trickier. It's just a different beast. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Philip uh, Levine example is a good one. You know, he's got all the power in that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, stage. even, you know, you, you flip, you flip the roles and make the guy on the stage, like, you know, some, some sort of insurrectionist whack job mm-hmm. and a room full of people that are there to listen to him. And someone sort of stands up to say something in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to move a community. It's very difficult to, you know, crowds, Groups of people, I mean, crowd is such a loaded word, so I should probably pull back from that. Groups of people are very difficult to move in their opinions. Very, very, very difficult. Uh, and in fact, I don't know that you can change a group of people's opinion. You can change an individual's opinion mm-hmm. and then hope that, hope that that change spreads. This like is the that. war of attrition. Yeah. I mean, you, you, it's one at a time. Um, it's Maybe. just not ever going to be everyone at once. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just thinking we swip, switch out Philip Levine and then we put someone like Ann Lebe, Annie Lebe, uh, Fran Lebowitz, right? Mm-hmm. Who would give you a spoonful of sugar or salt, to ca- not, a spoonful of sugar to get it down. Mm-hmm. So you're laughing about it. Mm-hmm. It's all about approach. I saw her on, I was, I'm rewatching um, Paris is Burning. Mm-hmm. For a number of reasons. A lot mm-hmm. of New York, old New York that I want to see. I love those mm-hmm. films like that. They give me some environment so I can look mm-hmm. at what was there before. Mm-hmm. And so there was a moment where there was this um, fundraiser and they're asking, talking, not talking heads, but just people in the crowd what they think. And she goes, it's um, it's official, like braggadocious or something. She was describing this notion of voguing and ballroom culture and whatnot. And it was so fast and funny. And I was like... What if we, if that person, I've, I've seen her twice on stage, you know, and she's, she's an engaged person. She's talking mm. and she knows what she thinks. And no, I don't, I don't have a phone. I have email. You know, she, <laughs> she's <laughs> my favorite people are people who have a sense of humor mm-hmm. and don't necessarily come out of anger, but you, there may be some anger in it, mm-hmm. but they're like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't know if that's right. Let me, let me tell you what I think. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. space for that other view mm-hmm. without it being contentious or about mm-hmm. the egos. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like mm-hmm. that that's a strategy, a very important strategy. Because mm-hmm. you might walk out there with your mind change. You might not. Mm-hmm. But it's at the very mm-hmm. least, you're right, um, Seth. It's the um, cult people around it that are also engaged in that environment, in, mm-hmm. in that um, that exchange. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And I think that's important, too. So that was good to work to sort of highlight and emphasize. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of Michelle Wolf, you know, when we talked about um, her stand-up routine, how she said that one of the things that, that white men figured out to do was to make, essentially it was to help make white women complicit in their, um, in their um, political maneuvering. And she's like, you know, there's no way that you're going to start a revolution from under a duvet. Like, you're you're too comfortable. And she, she's making some very, very incisive political points here, but she's Mm -hmm. totally got us laughing while she's doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Does she say, I don't remember her saying that it's something that white men do to white women, but just that white women themselves are complicit in that arrangement. I no, 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 no. She said both. both. That bl- yeah. She does yeah, white both. Men okay, make she you, does. Okay, okay. You were comfortable. White men got you. you made, they made you feel comfortable. Right. right? Uh, okay. Yeah, she right, says right, that. Yeah, right. It's yeah, hard yeah, to start right. a revolution, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> under debate. I remember that. That is the funny part of that, yeah, uh, that yeah, bit, I think, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you know the the group dynamic. Um, you know, this is one of my. This is probably one of my reflexive um, suspicions of of kind of woke culture is collective opinions. I, I don't have a lot of interest in. Um, mm. in just in general, I, mm. I, I just, I, I, as soon as, and, and I mean, it's a catch 22 because clearly you need a collective to like, you needed a collective to really give the civil rights movement any juice. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not like, mm-hmm. it's not like black people in America woke up in 1950 and were like, Oh shit, this isn't fair. Like <laughs> they, it was like, it, mm-hmm. they had been, they had been, Suffering and struggling for that, you know, since the end of the Civil War and the institution of Jim Crow, it's that well, it took a collect. That, it, no, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, as like post liberation. Clearly, okay. obviously, they were objecting before that post as well. Emancipation. <laughs> I would say emancipation versus liberation. So, can I ask you a question? Why is it important to correct the language on that? Because I think that it's a point of view, meaning that when we talk about liberation, we're talking about emancipation was something that the government decided to undo something. But at the same time, there was um, what was really never reconstruction, and there were also other freedom movements involved. So liberation for me feels like an ongoing process. Hmm. Emancipation was a legal 1965, actually, it's a 1963 and then 65 there's a moment, but it's important for me to be try to be as precise with language as possible. I can definitely mm-hmm. hear any other opinion about it because I want to be good about that. I think that that mm-hmm. particular struggle deserves clarity and it deserves um, it deserves um, nuance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think liberation. I think emancipation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know if I agree, but I but I do no, appreciate okay. that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, okay. So, post emancipation. Um, so clearly, it had been happening for you know. Obviously, this was a longer struggle struggle as well. So, but the civil rights movement got juice in this country once you got buy in from middle class white Americans. That's yep. that's what actually that's what sort of pushed it over the finish line. And then of course they get distracted and move on to some other concern or whatever. So you clearly need collective opinion in order to move the needle in any I mean this is redundant, but in any collective, any in any community. Mm-hmm. That being said, the collective opinion is usually not the place to go to look for wisdom. Right. It's not the place to go mm. to look for insight or guidance. It's what the crowd, it's what the fashionable idea has become for that period of time. I mean, you kind of see this, you know, we were all pretty bullish, I think rightly so, uh, you know, post-George Floyd, Floyd protests, Um and a lot of that energy has gone away now, and you know it's it's moved in it's moved in other it's moved in other directions. And so, I just, in general, as my own sort of personal like sort of, I have a negative response to collective opinions in general when when sort of we're we're looking to them to let us know what is the the right or wrong thing to do. I'm on board with that, but there's an addendum to that. The- Mm. To sustain that amount of energy all the time would be havoc. 
Mm. People can't be on the yeah, street. That's people fair. have to eat. People have to go to work. People have to do. So you have to choose your battles. And then there are folks who did take the energy and go in different places with it. They started organizations. They started becoming more political. Some of the what has happened to folks who lost someone to police violence, they've run for office or they've started something. So mm-hmm. no, there there is movement, and not all speed is movement. And that is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Tony K. Bambara said that, and her birthday was yesterday. Love you, Tony K. Bambara. Everyone, go read her books. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that I'm, I'm just trying to understand um, liberation struggles, and a cat jumped on my lap. So, mm. like, I've been liberated a moment ago from a quietness, and mm. here he is. Yeah, here he yeah. is, cutie. And yeah, he's a lovely at. But so, yeah, I do think good things have come out of movements or those kinds of demonstrations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But there's Mm -hmm. no way to sustain it that way. That much anger, that much frustration, Mm -hmm. it just just burns people out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's no nuance and there's no way to... You're human. You can't... You need to live. Mm -hmm. You have to take a step back. And that's part of the revolution Mm -hmm. as well, self-preservation. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, what we're also not talking about, Mm -hmm. and I think that this is worth the discussion with the discussion too is this sort of compartmentalized bits of wisdom that end up moving entire crowds of communities i.e manifestos books like there are particular Mm -hmm. ideologies that come out of particular certain um published um works that end up having the kind of a kind of staying power that is really just is unpredictable, right? Like there's no way that you could have, you would have said when um, mm-hmm. Marx and Engels sat down and wrote the Communist Manifesto that this thing would, in some very profound way, start a fire that just would not go out. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe you know, we're talking about we mm-hmm. in talking about changing people's minds, we need to talk about those kinds of foundational ideas um, Mm -hmm. that just end up moving entire generations of people. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the uh, communist manifesto is a great example. Um, I mean, obviously there are plenty of others as well. Um, You know, I I think it, you know, the way you appeal to a crowd is obviously the way you appeal to an individual, which is looking for common ground. Mm-hmm. It's just your your selection of your relations are more limited, right? So you know, communist manifesto, communism, you know, sort of, you know, inequality is a pretty is a pretty easy reach for most people. They they themselves have felt you know disenfranchised, or they themselves have felt that they don't have enough of a share of the pie, and so it's mm-hmm. you can get some emotional buy in. Religion is another, you know, the varieties of approaches to death is another one. I too don't want to die. I want my life to have meaning. Therefore, you know, mm-hmm. I can you know sort of reach for this you know kind of ready at hand. And, and I'm not saying that you know there are all kinds of flavors and variations and differences in there and whatnot. Um, and so those are all fair points and you're absolutely right that, you know, we can make these humans, you know, occasionally through whatever trick of history can make these things that persist long afterwards that continue to change minds and continue to influence minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, it, it probably takes us too far afield, but as necessary as those things are to keep 
inequalities and injustices and fear front and center for people, I don't know how much they improve things for our ability to think. I don't, I don't know that, you know, you know, like having a text that we refer to that is kind of our, our baseline reference. I don't know how useful that is. Agreed. I, I wonder that myself, like, do we need the wealth of nations? I mean, do we need the Leviathan? Right. Do we, like, right. as it, has the Cartesian split really helped us? Like, right. did, like, you know, at Ayn Rand, is she like, did, you know, it's her quote unquote philosophy, because not really a philosophy. Um, but her ideas, have they actually helped us live our lives with any more clarity or with being able to keep issues of fear and insecurity and inequality front and center? Like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's a tough one for me. I, I, I mean, I asked the question and I clearly have sympathies with your own, with your response. Seth. I, you know, I think, I think things like the constitution, like, do we really need the Constitution to let us know that, you know, it, we should live in a f- free and fair society? You know, I mean, it's not like it's not like humans just like we were doing that for a really long time before we invented nations. You know, this is that's what tribal cultures were. That's what, uh, you know, that's what bands were before that. Um, mm-hmm. So and we don't, you know, clearly the veneration of the Constitution, I think, is kind of a dead end project, at least from my point of view. Like, I no, just, it's a it's, document, you know, yeah. they, there were some pretty smart people involved in making it. And there's some pretty smart people now that, you know, that we don't, we don't have to be slavishly, uh, word intentionally chosen, um, mm-hmm. beholden to something like that. It's just not mm-hmm. necessary, um, for us to understand what's fair. So one of our uh, one of our contributors has to leave to to pick up a package. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so so Seth left. So you know the, to go back to uh, my question about the the liberation or emancipation question. So I get the correction as far as the specificity of the two things, and I get liberation project is a is a much deeper historical one. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that something is lost? Uh, Seth, I want to jump back to my earlier in, in exchange with, with Stephen. Do you feel that something is lost? Like when I was, when I was describing sort of what black Americans sort of historical antecedents to what they're dealing with in, in the 21st century. And mm. I was reaching for the language for that. Do you feel like something is lost? And I mean this flatly and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take my defensiveness out of it. Do you sure. feel like something is lost by not reaching for the pre- precise way that it has been languaged by thinkers around sort of the black liberation movement in the 20th and 21st centuries, maybe even 19th century. I do. I appreciate the okay. effort to reach for more precise language and more importantly, perspective. So I think someone who is engaged in a liberation struggle that sees through the ages, right? Even prior to say, um, people say 1619, but I don't want to use that because there were people enslaved who came here before that, but that seems to be the jumping off point for a lot of scholars and folks. But there are all kinds of ways to understand liberation that don't, that are not Actually, I don't want to get into that. I want to get back to more the core of your question. And that is, I think 
the struggle for precise language is liberatory. Like it's a part of that process. And so, for example, I was thinking, I had a conversation with a Senegalese man this morning about hmm. um, an, a, a project here in Harlem and hmm. a, a place that called Africa Center. Oh, now, yeah. most of the mm-hmm. people, right, most of the people who are involved with Africa Center are white, but it's mm-hmm. black presenting, hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is a problem. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why it's a problem mm-hmm. because you think you're supporting. Mm-hmm. Africans, continental Africans in this Africa Center, but you're actually supporting white people or Europeans in their quest. Now, what I think would be a much more honest and thoughtful approach is that there is a there is a transparency mm-hmm. about who owns what and why, but not to mm-hmm. show that on the face of it, they're brown faces or African faces. I want, I think that oftentimes what looks like might be a, a something good, whether it's film, um, something like the Africa Center, is that you are you transparent about who owns what and why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you're there to share in the joy of and the complications of African cultures, usually it's West African cultures. People typically don't go past West Africa or South Africa, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. say West Africa. Let's be honest about that. Let's be clear about who owns what. Let's be, wouldn't it be transformative, I think, for folks to do that kind of work? Because what they're mm-hmm. saying is, is that we trust you and respect you enough to let you know what's behind this because the facade mm-hmm. was never enough. And so that's mm-hmm. why I think the imprecise language or misrepresentations in some ways are more damaging than they are mm-hmm. helpful. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like trying to knit something mm-hmm. together here, but mm-hmm. but it's been a passion of mine to become a lot more thoughtful about my positions and how to get through to that. One of my one of my tools is language. So I think mm-hmm. I think what I think what I'm also taking from what Stephen just said, in addition to a few other things, but the key thing I want to sort of hone in on is, and and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Stephen, but what I hear is what is lost is an actual sort of fuller embrace of the liberatory struggle. Absolutely. What is lost in that and not using that the right language is actually liberation in some key way. So, okay, so mm-hmm. uh, I... I definitely hear all that. And I, the critique around ownership and sort of, you know, black presenting and that kind of stuff, I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I get it. I think it's wrong. I'm saying I get it. I, it's, it's a problem. It's something to deal with or kind of at least be aware of and and kind of think through. There is a way in which it, it feels like as, and I, you know, the emancipation liberation thing, like I, I, clearly, technically, you are absolutely correct. There is a distinction, right? Emancipation is, you know, to be you know, sort of released from slavery, liberation. I, I get the sort of the the broader struggle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it feels, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting this on you. I'm really not. But oh, I'm, I'm good. I do, I, I, yeah, I do, I do feel like there is sometimes an attempt for the the i'm just you know i'm not going to be careful i do feel like there is uh, an attempt <laughs> by um by black scholars and people invested in a radical racial critique to own liberation and slavery is older than black people mm. slavery is older than white people mm. slavery is like right down there it's it's in sumer it's the very mm-hmm. start yeah. of civilization mm-hmm. language writing i'm sorry started with slaves 
The very first things that we wrote down were the people that we owned. And those people weren't black or white. They were, they mm-hmm. were before anyone was even like languaging things around race in that way. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they were talking about nations and tribes and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And so the struggle for liberation might wear blackface in the 20th and or post 17th century, but well, before black that, bodies. it, uh, yeah. So let's black not do blackface. Yeah. No, right. no, no, no. That was, in t- it was an intentional play. I know, I, I know, but I, I just I, I had okay. to say black bodies and I'm always trying to <laughs> animate and also flesh and body out something that is often thought of as a theory or as a that that I'm like, no, 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 there are bodies involved here. So that's yeah, why I say no, enslaved versus so slave. But when yes. I said black I meant blackface in the play on its theatricality, mm-hmm. in that 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 mm-hmm. the liberation struggle long predates the invention of black people. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the liberation long predates the invention of white people. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, why can't it be, why isn't it f- full stop a human struggle against other humans and not, not racialized in its language, not racialized in, in its theorizing? Well, so, mm-hmm. I don't, and, think and Seth, I don't think I, we're Steve, all that different, though, about what we're saying. I don't think we are either. I don't no, actually, I'm I, actually think we're in language, mm-hmm. but I didn't say black liberation. I said liberation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so uh, just so I can mm-hmm. understand you, I, I get what you're saying. And it's one of your, um, I think, one of your most poignant and engaged conversations and perspectives because it does broaden my sensibility. Mm. But I, but when I'm speaking about emancipation, like I said, there was really was no emancipation. What there is is an ongoing liberation of black folks. Mm. I, I mm-hmm. so for example, I just went to an exhibition called Marking Time yesterday by um it's an oh. exhibition put together by Dr. Nicole um Fleetwood. Yeah. I went to go see it and it's an amazing look at incarcer um men and women who are incarcerated or are incarcerated, their art. Mm-hmm. And it I would recommend anyone listening to this podcast that's in New York City to go see it because it's at M MoMA P- PS1. PS1 in Queens. And that art is so useful in understanding liberation struggles it really mm. is from mm. a variety of point of views mm. and it also includes art people people who are creating art around incarceration which involves confined space confined time mm-hmm. and what to do with that and how do you imagine mm-hmm. in that space mm-hmm. so the reason why i brought it up is because i keep thinking about preciseness i'll go through someone's book and go that's not the word you want you actually want this word mm-hmm. because i think mm-hmm. based on what you're getting at you're over here but you've diverted me over here and i have to go look up this word just to make sure <laughs> mm-hmm. and so i don't want to be so obsessive with language that i'm not getting more nuanced takes on it mm-hmm. but no i'm not only liberation for people of african descent i'm only liberation for everybody Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm involved in this particular struggle with it, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I you know, I, um, and I, I think it's probably I probably am reading too much onto that. I think the reason I jumped to that was because of your description of the issue with the the African Center, um, which, you know, I. Uh, that's my sensitivity around that stuff because I, and I know you don't do this. And so you were on an unfortunate stand in, in that moment, but I just, I get frustrated with, there are a lot of really well-intentioned people out there, regardless of what country they're from. And then they're trying to help people. Then be transparent. Yeah, because if I you hear, were really being saying. honest and really trusting those people or really love that culture, I think transparency is the best way to go. But I, I know that. Saying. Yeah, I mean, see, that's my thing. My thing is that it can't be just a good effort. It can't be good intentions, right? It needs to transcend that. You know, the whole idea. Yeah, I hear of, what um, you're saying. 
So that's my thing. My thing is yeah. when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you directly. I'm not talking to be appeased. I'm not talking to in the conversation yeah. because we're both uncomfortable. Let's be uncomfortable and talk about this. So I'm good yeah. with that. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate but I don't, that. I don't yeah, mind I being that. a straw man or a stand-in for any of your arguments <laughs> because I appreciate the effort, thought, intellect, brilliance that you bring. So keep it, keep it coming. Yeah, I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, and it's helpful. It's helpful. So, okay, I am super late for a meeting, <laughs> <laughs> really, really late. So, um, uh, uh, but yes. I wanted to keep talking. I actually don't even want to end the podcast now, but uh, but uh, but I guess I have no choice. So, yes. um, okay, uh, Stephen, Seth, thank you yes. very much for the thank conversation. You both very much. For sure, I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, okay. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.